Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I'm so happy to be with you live, and I pray that you're well, and I pray that you had a, and are having a wonderful start to this blessed, blessed Advent season, and whether or not you have fulfilled your goals starting out, or your plans, or if you failed, uh, don't worry, just the only true failure is not to try again. That's what uh, Thomas Edison said. He said, I, now I know 5,000 ways electricity doesn't work because he failed 5,000 times trying to figure out the light bulb. So don't worry. It would be the discouragement is the devil's tool. Don't worry about it. If you say, oh my goodness, mother's talking straight to me this morning, be confident I'm talking to a million people. None of us are alone in this. We're all striving all the time, and the, the main goal is to not give up. What I'd like to do now is not simply return to the magnificent, exquisite writing of Michael Matt's um, recollection of his advent as a child, but I want to go to the beginning of it. We got halfway through it yesterday, and if I can start at the beginning now, we'll go through the entire thing very quickly. I'm going to try my best not to comment, so you get the whole thing at once. It's so beautiful, and I'm reading it not just because it's beautiful, because but this is should not be the exception. This is the way Every Catholic should strive to live Advent or something similar to it. Michael Matt wrote this five years ago, and he says, looking back, uh, about four years, so this is about nine years ago, he said, it all began in Advent when my seven sisters and brother were expected to prepare for the coming of Christ, the Christkind um, under uh, mother's watchful eye, and that's the Christ child, Chris Kint, it's pronounced. Under mo- mother's watchful eye, <clears throat> we'd fashion a small makeshift manger that would remain unoccupied until Christmas Day. As Advent progressed, good deeds were encouraged, encouraged on a daily basis, and each time it was determined that a good deed had been done, one piece of straw was placed in the empty manger. The idea being that Advent was a time to prepare a bed on which the baby Jesus could sleep when he arrived. Under the rules of the old custom, the practice of virtue was an essential part of a child's preparation for Christmas. Each night after supper, the lights would be turned down while the Advent wreath candles were lit. The haunting strains of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel would be lifted somewhat awkwardly, I suppose, on the voices of children. Shadows and flickering flames played on faces across the dining room table, making it easy for a child to imagine that he sat with the Israelites of old, waiting for the Messiah to come. As the four weeks passed, seemingly as slowly as those 4,000 years, one question became constant. Have my sacrifices been enough to please Chris Kent? 
And thus the weeks of Advent were spent in preparation and waiting as they should be. Gradually the empty manger would fill with straw as the stage was set for a celestial visitor. On the evening of December 23rd, my father would hang a curtain over the doorway of our living room, which, if that straw was piled high enough, was to be transformed into the Christmas room by the baby Jesus himself in the middle of the night. Then it was off to sleep, a seemingly impossible prospect. The Christmas Eve mornings, I remember, are marked by a combination of joy and wonder. Children still in their jammies could scarcely whisper the words to a curiously exhausted mother, Did he come? All day long, we weren't allowed to go near the curtain, lest one of us should succumb to the temptation to peek, which would be to risk the instant disappearance of whatever Chris Kunt may have brought A lifetime of self-discipline was taught between dawn and dusk on Christmas Eve. After a day of chores, naps, and helping with the house cleaning, the anticipated hour of 7 o'clock would finally arrive. We gather in the back room and sing Christmas carols in candlelight as our mother would read aloud the story that always began the same way. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. We listened as Father disappeared into the Christmas room to take down the curtain and see to the final arrangements for the holy ritual. Only he was worthy to take over for Chris Kint. The wait seemed interminable. Then all at once, his voice would call out from the darkness, Come, children, Chris Kint has come. Breathlessly, We'd make our candlelit procession from the back room to the living room, singing the words of the old German carol as we went. Er Christkind, er Kinderlein comet, o comet dach all. Forgive me if you're German, uh, because I know I'm mispronouncing this. Zer kipit her comet in Bethlehem's stall. We gather round my father who now was kneeling in front of the nativity scene. We'd do our best not to crane our necks and look at the darkened Christmas tree or whatever might be lying beneath it. Each child placed a crib figure into the creche, and the youngest put the baby in his manger. Then prayers were said. Christmas carols were quietly sung. Deceased family were remembered. And Father spoke of the marvelous thing that had happened long ago at midnight in Bethlehem in piercing cold. I can still see the bed bathed in a warm, peaceful glow, seeming as real to me as if I were a shepherd boy looking down from that hillside over Bethlehem. I can hear my father and mother's hushed voices as they prayed and sang to the same royal baby, that shepherds and angels had adored centuries ago. That sacred moment was like a porthole in time. We're traveling back to the city of David just then seemed not only possible to a child, but imminent. Those long ago Christmas Eves remain vivid in my memory. 35 years later, if you came in late, beloved, I'm reading this exquisite Christmas memory of Michael Matt. 
who heads Remnant TV and the Remnant newspaper. He says, the gifts under the tree, I don't remember many of them. There was no question what Christmas was about. We could feel it in the depths of our young souls. We could see it in the tears that formed in our father's eyes as he prayed aloud. We could hear it in our mother's voice as she sang softly, silent night, holy night, all is calm. Christmas was about the baby, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, angels, and Bethlehem. It was something so powerful that it could even cause our father's voice to tremor in the darkness as he explained who the baby is and what he expects of us. We knew that Christkind was real. The Christ child was real because our father and mother were kneeling on the floor before the manger, praying to him. Moments later, the magic of Christmas, the feast, the Catholic family celebration burst forth in jubilation. The majestic tree was lit. There was singing and dancing, bowls of nuts and candies, specially delivered by the baby Jesus himself, seemed to appear out of nowhere. And there under the tree were the gifts, the second to last phase of the ritual. He had come. He had brought little rewards for Advent efforts. The family was together, united in love for each other and a child king we cherished with all our hearts. You must understand, Michael writes, my parents had no money, and yet somehow Christmas came year after year, and it was fit for a king. That was part of the miracle, but this was just the beginning. The toys and good things to eat were set aside to be enjoyed on each and every one of the 12 days of Christmas. Now the soul of Christmas Eve was about to be celebrated. Coats and hats, mittens and scarves were the next order of business. The old station wagon groaned in the frosty night air as father turned the key in the ignition. Nine children were loaded up and moments later the little ones peered through frosted glass in the hopes of catching a glimpse of Bethlehem's star on the way to midnight mass. It would be Christmas Day before this night would draw to a peaceful close in a dimly lit church filled with the scent of pine needles and candle wax and incense. Not long before the first light of Christmas Day glowed in the east, sleepy children would crawl into chilly beds as content as ever a child could be this side of heaven's gate. And why not? Christ is born. And so it continues. Michael writes, The years have passed by so quickly since those children, those childhood days, that I can scarcely believe that the five little ones who process into my living room each Christmas Eve are my own. This is just too beautiful, beloved. We're almost through with the story, and we'll make it today before our half hour together. Um, and then you can call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com. And we'll be right back, beloved, and we'll finish this magnificent story. Don't go away.
the Catholic Drive Time, weekday mornings, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. We'll see you then. May God love you. Praise be to Jesus. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day in the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened. We are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814-676-1910. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are right uh, past the middle of a story written by Michael Matt, who is the head of Remnant TV and publisher of the Remnant Newsletter, I think three generations of publishers, magnificent, holy, uh, truly Catholic gentleman who I admire greatly. And he wrote four years ago the uh, memor- uh, his memory, his, his heart, um, down on how his papa raised him and his uh, eight siblings, there were nine total, and how he's carried that on with his children and his children are carrying it on with their children. This is what Catholic life is meant to be. And I, th- I thought, it, it, I read this every year, it's so exquisite because it, it's, ex- it's just what should happen as the fruit of Catholic's life, Catholic lives. I want to finish this. Michael continues, the years have passed by so quickly since those childhood days that I can scarcely believe that the five little ones who process into my living room each Christmas Eve are my own, and that my beloved father and one sister are no longer with us, and that the rest of us have aged more than we care to admit. But strangely enough, the baby Jesus remains unchanged and unchanging, ever young, ever young and ever new. 
He is the same now as he was then. My children's imaginations are as captivated by him now as mine was then. Life is moving on, but somehow Christmas is the one thing that stays the same. Needless to say, his midnight visit on Christmas Eve is the high point of the year for my children. Why? Because as I see it, this old European Christmas custom is profoundly Catholic. There is nothing plastic, banana, or phony baloney about it. Children are neither taught to equate Christmas with wicked consumerism or godless Puritanism. They are taught the mystery of the birth of Christ and the importance of celebrating the feast. Uh, Let me me reread that sentence. They are taught the mystery of the birth of Christ and the importance of celebrating the feast. Advent is a most essential part of the process, even as Midnight Mass is its climax. Even now, my own children, walking in the footsteps of their little Catholic counterparts from the old world, are trading daily acts of kindness and virtue for little pieces of straw that are lovingly tucked away into an empty manger. For one night soon, the child of Bethlehem will transform their home and their souls into a place fit for a king. For a few miraculous moments, life will stand perfectly still, and the line between the physical world and the spiritual one will become mercifully obscured. Chris Kind creates in children an indissoluble bond between the joy of Christmas, which celebrates his birth, and the Catholic faith itself, which is his greatest gift. In real Christmas cheer, the two become one, and the proper celebration of the holy day plants seeds of faith in the little garden of children's souls, even as they shout for joy. As they grow older, their faith in Christkind transforms itself naturally into belief in the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, the true meaning of Christmas. There is no deceit in the Christkind custom, for indeed there is no deceit in the Christkind, the Christ child. He does come down to earth on Christmas Eve. His providence provides everything we need in this life, and he exists just as surely as we do. He was born. He has a mother whom we all know and love. And he comes to us often at Mass, Christ's Mass. He comes to us at Christmas, Christ's Mass. He has, has fallen man ever had more reason for feast or feasting than this. Let us be glad and rejoice. Merry Christmas, Michael writes, to one and all, Christ is born. I find that, beloved, so incredibly beautiful. Maybe because, again, I came from a Jewish background through evangelical Protestantism, which hardly uh, understands the fulfillment of Judaism in Christianity because it has done away with so much. there's no cross, there's no, there's an empty cross in Protestantism. Um, uh, Santas and, and mangers are discouraged. 
and they're seen as worldly is en enormously sad. I find this, what Michael has written, exquisitely beautiful, and it was just normal for his family, normal for his parents um, to celebrate as they have. And it's been passed on to Michael's children, who I, whom I've met at, at a, a, one or two of their conferences. They are outstanding Catholics today, as their children uh, are being raised to be as well. It's just the plan God had for this world. And I love this story so much that I'm going to, we are writing our newsletter. Um, it will be a Christmas newsletter, and it will be our first since we're in Texas. And I don't know if we can, it's going to be the largest newsletter we've ever produced. And I don't know if you'll get it in time for Christmas. If you're on our mailing list, I, I do pray you'll have it at least during Christmas tide. Christmas begins um, December 24th, Christmas Eve, and lasts through traditionally to February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation, Candle Mass, when there should be a procession of candles because the light of the world has come. Um, purification of the Blessed Virgin, uh, the presentation of our Lord in the Temple, and Candle Mass, kind of three feasts in one on February 2nd, the traditional end of Christmas. So we have um, a great amount of time uh, from Christmas Eve all through January to February 2nd to celebrate Christmas. So if you're signed up for the newsletter, you certainly should have it during Christmas tide, if not by Christmas Eve. And if you haven't signed up and you'd like to receive it by email or regular mail, either way is fine, or both. We don't worry about... Um, our, we don't charge anything for it. It's going to be a lot of postage this time for us. But the reason we're doing it is because we we don't lack a penny. We've never lacked a penny. We've never lacked anything we need. Um, and we don't owe a penny. And we use everything we have and have been given for the spread of the gospel. And if we used our last penny on this newsletter, we would still do it because we exist for the salvation of souls and the restoration of the family and God's design. We have no re other reason our little uh, Benedictine order of sisters, daughters of Mary, mother of, mother of Israel's hope, we have no other reason to exist but for the salvation of every soul uh, and the return of every soul to the Catholic faith um, and the restoration of God's design for the family. So uh, every penny we have uh, will go toward that. And so we're happy to send you the printed hard copies as, as well. We usually have a holy card or some kind of gift in there when we can. Um, so um, go to our website if you wish. Um, we had a number of people sign up yesterday or the day before um, feel free to do it and let us know if you want to receive it by email or regular mail or both not an issue um, and put your full correct address in there and and uh, if you go to motherofisraelshope.org that's our website motherofisraelshope.org um, you can click on the newsletter tab and you can um, sign up right there on top. Um, and if you have a new address and we don't know about it, we hear that 48% of people um, 
move every year, according to the post office. So if you have moved within the past year or even in the past few years and have stopped receiving our newsletter and would like to go and and sign up as well and say, here's our current address and we'll take care of it. Okay, Um, I, I pray that you do that. Um, the only ones that are going to receive this newsletter are those who do that. If you received our past Easter newsletter, then you're on our list. Don't worry about it. But if you did not, it means we don't have you or you've moved or you're, you were dropped. Maybe we haven't heard from you in five years and we couldn't continue to send it. Whatever it is, if you did not receive our Easter newsletter from Kansas uh, this past year, then go to our website and sign up and and we'll make sure that you're on it for for Christmas, and in the interim, beloved, um, it, it, it's never too late to live for God. It's never too late. You say, well, but we haven't been living for Him. We didn't raise our children Catholic, and they don't know all these beautiful customs, and they'll think we're hypocrites if we start now. No, 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 no. Just be who you are. Just be honest. Just say, children, um, your mom and I. Uh, haven't known all these things. They haven't been transferred to us. But we we are Catholic, or we want to be Catholic, and we've learned these things, and we want to start incorporating them in our lives, dear ones. So um, uh, we want you to join us in this. And of course, if they're young, they're going to join you in this. If they're older, if they're over 18, and they're home, and they're still living at home, you can tell them that you really wish them to, uh, but they have a choice. Um, but they don't have a choice to dishonor you or what you do for Christmas. If they're at home, they need to be part of what the family does. You're not forcing them to believe, but they need to respect what the family does. And if they cannot, they must leave. They're free to leave if they're over 18, but they are not free to disrespect or talk against Anything you do, they must be a part of it in a respectful way because they've chosen to live at home. So, beloved, um, we will have, I'm going to have this story again in our newsletter So, because I know many people have missed it or you haven't heard the whole thing. You say, oh, I wish, I wish I had that on paper. You'll have it on paper or on the Internet if you get our newsletter. And if you wish it before then, just go to the remnant a remnant, remnant, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, remnantnewspaper.com. That's it, forward slash, and then just type in the words, um, uh, an Advent reflection waiting for the Christ child. Just Or just put in quotes, waiting for the tr- Christ child, and it'll co- be, come up somewhere. Okay, we're heading for a break. Call in with anything on your heart, dear ones. We'll have a whole half hour to ourselves, and we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll love to hear from you. Um, and by, I th- don't think LifeSite News or the Station of the Cross will mind my saying this, because we won't be able to get the uh, newsletter out probably in time for Christmas. Um, if you're looking uh, for a place in addition to LifeSite News and, Rem- and Station of the Cross for an end-of-year donation, if you go to our website, Mother of Israel's Hope, um, you can press the Donate button and... Um, 
and donate to us as well. We're a nonprofit 501c3. I haven't quite, I don't know that I've ever made that announcement before, but um, we're new in Texas and we have many expenses and we can certainly use your help. We bless God for you. Um, We'll be right back after the break. Don't go away. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 2nd. Today we celebrate Blessed Raphael Chalinski. Born in 1694, Melchior Chalinski showed early signs of religious devotion. After completing his studies and military duties, he joined the conventual Franciscans in Krakow, receiving the name Raphael or Raphael, and was ordained in 1717. It was a vulnerable time for Poland, still recovering from the Thirty Years' War and surrounded by countries intent on invasion. Father Raphael served the weary people through his simple and candid sermons, his generosity, and in particular, his ministry in the confessional. People from all levels of society were drawn to the self-sacrificing way he lived out his religious profession and priestly ministry. When a major epidemic hit Warsaw, he ministered to its victims and listened to the confessions of many dying persons. The partition of Poland put a stop to the process for his beatification, which was begun not long after his death in 1741. When it finally took place in 1991, Pope John Paul II said in his homily, May blessed Raphael remind us that every one of us, even though we are sinners, has been called to love and to holiness. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, and I'm thrilled that we have it and happy to be with you live. And we will be taking your calls and your emails and your texts during this half hour. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to take a text um, from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother Miriam, I'm hoping you get this. Well, we have. I'm not yet Catholic, but feel that God is calling me. Well, blessed be God, dear one. I am married to a non-practicing Catholic, and I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. Both my husband and I have been attending Lutheran churches. However, recently both my husband and I have been convicted to return to Christ and go back to the Catholic faith. This is so wonderful. Now, though, we have a 12-year-old boy who is very worldly and disrespectful, 
and a 24-year-old daughter who is living with her boyfriend and walking away from religion and belief in Jesus. My heart is so broken, and I am a loathe full of myself and my husband that we majorly messed up in raising the children God gave us. I've been praying every day, asking God's forgiveness, and feel I need to get baptized and confirmed in the Catholic Church, go to confession, maybe renew our marriage vows, and take my son out of school and start homeschooling him. What should we do, Mother? Well, blessed be God for what he's done on, on in your heart. And as um, regretful as you are that you didn't have this faith or know better sooner, don't live your life in sadness and regret, but enjoy that God in his mercy and grace has given you that faith now and the heart now. It's never too late. So the first order of business is for you to get baptized and come into the Catholic Church and for your husband to go to confession and return to the Catholic Church and to have your marriage blessed in the church. That is the order of uh, assuming that neither of you have been married before. If you have, then you have to uh, seek out a process of annulment. But if you haven't, you, you need, your husband needs to go to confession and come back to the sacraments, uh, come back to the church, and again, you need to um, come into the church and uh, then have your marriage blessed. And on the way, begin to talk to your 12-year-old son and um, speak to him with respect because he's very disrespectful, you say, and worldly. Uh, he needs the example of respect and love. Um, you can't just tell him. God has worked his grace in your hearts. Um, he, and let God work through your hearts and your love to your son and say, you know, son, uh, 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 honey, I'm, or son, however you call him, um, uh, you know, we, we, we've not known our faith. We haven't lived it well all of that, and we regret that, but faith is a gift, and God has turned our hearts toward him, and we want to come fully into the Catholic Church and start living that life. And we apologize to you for your loss, that you up to this point have not had parents that have been faithful to God, um, but we want to be faithful to him now, and we need we know that faith is a gift and that God is a forgiving God. So none of us have lived a right life and you, dear one, um, uh, need also to begin to honor God. And the way you honor God as a 12-year-old is to honor your parents. And we all, together as a family, need to begin to help each other to walk with God and to honor God so as of now, um, uh, we're going to begin to pray as a family. We're going to come together as a family. We're going to take instruction in the Catholic faith as a family. Now, as far as taking him out of school and homeschooling him, I don't know what you'll be dealing with. It might be too much to do uh, immediately um, to just take him out because he needs to get baptized and confirmed also, I'm, I'm gathering. Um, if he's been baptized and confirmed, then he needs to go to confession 
and also repent. Be very gentle with him because it'll be God's love through you that's going to help him. And he may rebel. Uh, Be patient with his rebellion. Be strong in your uh, directives to him. Um, If you say no, you're no longer allowed that music. You're no longer allowed those, you know, movies, whatever it is. You be firm, but... um, but um, how do I say, not shouting, not yelling at him, just firm in your convictions. And um, uh, he, if he is changed, he will be changed through your changed life. Let him see the fruit of your two lives. That will begin to change him. It may take a couple of years, don't worry about it, but take up your responsibility of, as parents and be firm with him, but gentle enough that he knows that you understand that this is going to be a process for him. So, um, um, also you might want to get a a spiritual director, um, a good holy priest or a good marriage counselor to help you you with this. Um, uh, We have a call from Paul in Braintree, Massachusetts. Hi, Paul. Yes, good good morning, Mother. Hi, um, dear one. A blessed uh, and holy advent to you and all of your sisters and to all of our the listeners out there. Um, Thanks, Paul. I just want to say that, um, my, thank you, um, uh, another abomination is, is, is going to hit us, and that is that uh, the, the, we need to call this the Disrespect for Marriage Act, not the Respect of Marriage Act. That's right. Because it's going to open up a whole Pandora's box, and, and of course our artificial sham president, quote-unquote Catholic, is going to sign it, and obviously. What can we do, Mother, to revolt against this absolute atrocity and abomination of God's pronouncement of marriage being one man and one woman? What can we do? Paul, we can do what we have not done till now. I truly believe it's our fault, Paul. I truly believe... All right. That it's the fault of Catholics not living their faith. It's the fault of Catholics not living their faith. And some Catholics living like you who are strong and, and agree and understand and others say, no, we're, we, we've always lived our faith. Have you? Do you shop on Sunday? Do you go to a restaurant on Sunday? Have you reached out to your neighbors with the gospel, the only way to heaven and the truth of your church? Have you allowed your children to dress immodestly? How about your speech, your language? Uh, there's so much to living, truly, truly living our faith. So, and we Catholics have put this president and the past few administrations in office. So it's our fault. And what we can do now, I don't think we can stop this. I don't think it's going to be stopped. The Senate has passed it, and I think uh, the rest will pass it. I, I just don't think there's any way to stop it. Of course, it's not a respect for marriage. It is disrespect for marriage. They're, it, marriages are not marriages if they're not between one man and one woman, Paul. But what we can do is begin to do what we haven't been doing and accept the consequences of our failure to live as Catholics, as a people of God, to make a difference in this world. We have not. And um, and we just need to do that in every way with our lives now. And, um, 
and maybe, you know, say, well, maybe there's one thing I could do. Maybe there's one thing I can do because, you know, I have been shopping on Sunday with my family, not you, but whoever it is. I have been going to the stores on Sunday. And, um, you know, we... uh, we do go out to restaurant with our friends after mass and make other people serve us on a day they shouldn't be working. So there, it'll be very inconvenient, though. We love going out on a Sunday. We love going to a restaurant. Well, right. let it be inconvenient. Go home. And um, we need to let the, the stores and restaurants close on Sunday. We need to. That's the only thing that I know we can do, Paul, yeah. is to live as if it is true. Yeah, it's too bad there aren't more stores like Hobby Lobby and uh, Chick Fil A that that, that that can 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 kind of lead us can carry the baton. And they're not see. Catholic; they're non-Catholic no, Christian. So shame on us! Yeah. Shame yeah. on us! That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're right. Yeah. Well, we just get like I said. We we don't. You know, St. Paul reminds us. We you know we get pushed around, but we keep we keep coming back up to fight. We get we don't get discouraged. We you know we get don't ever get, get discouraged. No, you know we never. But Paul tells us that in Second Corinthians, we got to heed those words. That's you know, right. and also last, and I'll leave by saying the last Sunday's his his letter to the Romans. I think it was mm-hmm. chapter five, verses eleven to fourteen. You know about about uh, you know we we relegate ourselves to you know drunken orgies and and to promiscuity and lust, and then we've been we've been we've been pre- prepared, we've been prepped by the by Christ to overcome all of these, right. these uh, afflictions. That's we right. have to pray for that. We never stop praying, you know what I mean? As he says also in First Thessalonians, pray constantly and incessantly. That's always. right. That's right. Amen. And he says in Thessalonians as well, give thanks for all things um, in Christ Jesus, because and, and all things in the context of that are bad things. Give thanks for all things in Christ Jesus, because this is the will of God concerning you. And so people say, well, how do I know the will of God? Well, we need to know, uh, like Mark Twain says, not what I don't know that bothers me, it's what I do know. <laughs> we need to live what we do know. Exactly. Paul, you're a dear. Amen. Thank Amen. You. God. Praise God. God bless you, Mother. You too, Paul. Thanks for your call. We have a text from someone else who writes it anonymously and says, Dear Mother, <clears throat> I'm writing to ask if telling my sister of our mother's sexual abuse to me 60 years ago is a sin since she died decades ago. Here's what happened. Now, I want to tell you, uh, whoever wrote this text, um, and for our listeners, that... Uh, we have edited this uh, quite a bit because there's graphic description that should not be said over the year, over the air. Many times, children are listening, families are listening, and it's it's not to be read publicly. But you'll get the message. Um, he says, "Here's what happened. I th- I'm guessing it's a he. It may be a she. I was always angry and frightened whenever I heard of anyone going to a strip club." Although sinful and perverse, my reaction was more than usual. Now I know why. When I was five years old, my mother was separated from my father and attempted to sexually assault me. And he says that he carried the vision of his mother's behavior his whole life. It's pretty awful. He or she writes, she then told me when I was seven that she tried to abort me by taking large doses of aspirin, but it didn't work. She said it with no remorse. I'm a devout Catholic, and God has always provided for me. I am married, have children, and have a master's level education. 
I have shared this with my priest, and it was a great relief, honestly. So maybe I should leave it at the cross and hope that my mother, who gave me life, is now in heaven. I don't want to malign her, but I'm tempted to share this with my older sister, who always hated my mother. Will sharing this just make my sister feel more hatred? Thanks for taking the time to read my difficult message. I'm blessed to have you, Mother. Well, God bless you, too. And I, I can only imagine the horrors of what you were put through. And um, again, uh, we've truncated your message because it would be very difficult for many people to hear, especially uh, for children. Um, whether to share this with your sister or not, um, it, it really depends. Um, if your sister has always hated your mother, this indeed may cause her to hate your mother more. I think it will. I, I don't think there's any question. Um, but your mother may have abused your sister in ways also. There's a reason why your sister hates your mother. And this may just put a greater burden on your sister that is not prudent. Um, hold on, because there's the music for our final break. I want to continue this with your email when we come back from the break. And when we do, dear ones, it'll be our last segment. We'll have 10 minutes and our lines are open. You're welcome to call in or email or text with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I'm a widower, parent of three almost adults, and listen to you guys around the clock. Father McTigg, Society of Jesus, he's wonderful. Mother Miriam, of course, the Divine Office, and many other great things that Station of the Cross does. So, thanks very much for your great work. I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started, and I was so excited. I tuned into it, and I found that I love the Catholic Station. If you've been blessed, by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes, and as I say, our lines are open. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483. Email at mother at thestationofthecross.com, and you can text at that toll-free number as well. Just before the break, we... um, uh, took a text from someone who wrote it anonymously, and I'm, I'm guessing this is a gentleman who is currently uh, a devout Catholic and um, married with children uh, with a master's level education, and he's had, um, I think he put all that in to let me know that as far as his education, that he's had a absolutely horribly abused childhood. His mother sexually abused him, um, in awful ways, and he's carried those images his whole life and told him that she wanted to abort him and didn't because the uh, the overdose of aspirin she took didn't work, all of that. So he's been enormously uh, hurt, uh, lifelong, lifelong. And he shared it with his priest, and he said that helped him. But he's wondering if he should share it with his sister, his older sister, who always hated their mother. And he says, will sharing this just make my sister feel more hatred? I think it will. I don't know why she's hated uh, your mother. Um, it, it could be that your mother abused her as well, or um, did other things, or neglected her, or hurt her in other ways. Uh, or wanted to abort her as well and let her know. Who knows? But um, she's your older sister, so she may not have shared these things with you. And the fact that you're younger, she may or may not know that this happened. Probably she does not. I do think it'll make her feel more hatred for your mother. I don't know if she could handle more hatred for your mother. I would say... There would need to be a reason. I know you're carrying this secret with you, and it's it's very difficult. But I would say there would need to be a reason and a time for you to share this with your sister, not just to bring it up, but if you and your sister are having a, a difficult conversation one night and into the past and all the hurts and abuses and and all the things that happened to you, you could you could then you might be able to say to her, you know, I never told you this, but when I was so, so, you know, much age, my mom did this to me and all that. It, it, you need the right context to do that. So you're not just, it's not a selfish act that you want to let her know and, and get it off you a little bit. So it, it needs to be a, a, a moment of deep sharing where her response could be something of um, not just more hatred for your mom, which it will be, but... Um, where she could handle enough to have some kind of sympathy for you. So I'd say be careful with that. But I would also say, um, even though you're doing real well, this was an unfair, horrible situation put on you as a child. And even though you're doing very well, 
I'm going to guess you live with the images and the uh, the fruit of that abuse every day of your life. People who abuse children have no clue. Uh, they think they've done it and it's over. It's never over for that child. It is never over. And I would just suggest that, of course, this is up to you. If you've never gone through um, counseling or you've never had the right counselor, um, if you've never truly been helped uh, to not have to live with this, every single day, and the visions of it every day of your life, you might seek out a good counselor. I would suggest that. Uh, you may not need that. You may not wish that. That's 100% fine. But um, I just it's something you might consider. And again, as far as your sister goes, it's difficult when you live with siblings who don't know what you've lived through. It's very difficult. Um, because you're keeping a secret and as long as children keep secrets, even though you're older now, it, it has a deeper effect on you. But I would, again, I'd wait to the, you're both older now, and I would just wait for the appropriate time and ask our Blessed Mother maybe to, to show you what that may be. Um, and it may be a time that you come together with your sister, if your relationship with her between you and your sister is good, maybe over the holidays, where you're sharing your lives and 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 say, you know, um, I have a, I have a feeling we both need uh, to forgive God, to forgive Mom before God, because uh, even if we didn't live the life she lived, even if we didn't do what she did, she is still a sinner before God as we are, and He died to forgive her, and we need to forgive her as Christ has forgiven us and. I don't know the reason for all your hatred for mom, but I have great reason for my hatred for her. And I may not hate her as you do, but I'm tremendously damaged by her. Um, and I think we both need to forgive her. So you can approach it that way. And, and your sister could say, well, what are you talking about? And then you can tell her. Um, and then, but in the context of coming together with her and, and, um, asking God to forgive her. Um, if she's in purgatory, which if she is, it means that she would have repented before she died because the sin she's committed would never have her in heaven without repentance. Um, but your prayers now, even though she's already dead, will not be in vain. Uh, God answers prayers retroactively. That does it. If she died outside of his grace, she will remain outside of his grace. But if she died in his grace, it could be in part because of the prayers you and your sister would pray even now because God knows, he knew beforehand that you pray for her now and he would answer those prayers. So um, uh, tell our Lord that you'd like your sister to know, you'd like her to, you'd like to have the relationship with your sister where you can share these things. You're the same blood and you, you want to come together, both of you, to not live the constant horrors of your mother's abuse on both of you. Whatever your sister experienced, she hates your mom, and there's a reason for that. Um, 
and and you may not fully understand that. So I think it would be good if there's a time that you can both share that. But let it be a good time, again, I'm repeating myself now, where you're close, where you're talking about uh, your lives, and where you could bring up the thought of, you know, whatever your sister's name is, Mary, let's just say, um, I know you have a hatred for mom. Um, I don't know why I don't have a hatred for her. I have horrible, horrible, horrible memories of uh, tremendous abuse that she put on me, which I didn't tell you about. I think we both have tremendous reason to to hate her, but maybe if we share some of those things, we could come together, whether we share them or not with each other, and ask God to forgive her, as he's forgiven us, not for those things, but for other things. We're all sinners before a holy God. Whether we committed huge sins, like our mom, or whether committed little sins, it doesn't matter. The tiniest sin separates us from God for all eternity. And so all of us deserve hell. Some of us deserve greater places in hell, but still we deserve hell. And God in his grace has given us heaven. And that's what Christmas is about. So sometimes we have no other reason to forgive, but then the understanding that God in Christ has forgiven us. That's the Apostle Paul's message to the Ephesians. Forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. Sometimes that's the only reason. That's enough of a reason. Um, Forgive us our sins, we pray every day in the Our Father, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Say, yeah, but we didn't sin against them the way they sinned against us. True, doesn't matter. We've sinned against a holy God. They've sinned against a sinner. We've sinned against a holy God, which makes our little sin greater against a holy God than their big sin against us, a sinner. God bless you, dear ones, and um, have a blessed weekend. God willing, we'll see you on Monday.